You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show podcast, courtesy of Westwood One, powered by CRTV. Thanks to those of you that subscribe here on iTunes and Stitcher and have left us positive reviews. That certainly helps us grow this podcast so we can reach more people like you. And if you've not yet subscribed, it doesn't take long. Just Just click that subscribe button right there on your computer, your mobile device. Add your name or your number. Uh, to the throng that's already subscribing to our show. And if you have a few extra minutes today, if you could leave us a positive review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. And we would also appreciate uh, finding out what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E, and I mentioned we are powered by CRTV. We just finished production on today's CRTV show, which will be available later on today at CRTV.com. Let's give the audience a preview uh, of what's uh, to come later today. Todd and Aaron are here with me. Aaron, I'll start with you. Yeah, uh, fake news or not, it is um, whiplash today um, on, the, on, on the part of CNN, all thanks to CNN. Uh, it, you just really, CNN's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get next. <laughs> nice. Todd. Never, ever, 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 no matter how this might seem like at the very least your 15 minutes of fame or at the most the, the chance you've been waiting for and catapult you into relevance, never accept a job from the Trump administration. You asked me a question before we started the podcast. What was the question that you asked me? The one right before the podcast? Yeah, the one you asked me. It's got to be a little surreal in this past year how well you know various people that have been at the center of total manure storms. Just to <laughs> surreal is a good word, you know, because I mean we do this from Iowa every day. It doesn't get any more everyday America than where we live, right? Um, most of my typical day is I get up, get caught up on the on the news, go to the gym, go home and take a shower, come in here. Uh, go home, get re-caught up on the news and start planning what tomorrow's show is going to be alongside with Aaron. Um, hang out with my family. It's, it's a pretty average everyday American sure. existence. What I do for a living is not an average everyday, but the lifestyle, I live in a middle class, I guess you'd call it a slightly upper middle class neighborhood in a suburb of Des Moines. You know? Um, You're not getting together uh f- 
uh, for drinks after work, no. you know, with the punditry. No, I mean, last night, I, you know, after we got done with everything last night, I teach Christian worldview on Mondays at a, at a high school here, or at, it's for high school kids at a big church here in town. I got home. The whole Nunberg fiasco was breaking. I'll talk about that in a second. But the, after I got through, you know, getting caught up on that, here was the rest of my evening. The rest of my evening was uh, had dinner. Wife has this Instapot recipe where she makes this uh, uh, this chicken, bacon, ranch, green onion. I, I love Tell all me four more. of those things. I'm, I love all four of those things. Okay, and it's it's essentially like a, a chicken version of, of ranch, fl- you know, sauce chicken version of a sloppy Joe. Sure. Except I don't, you know, I don't. I'm, I eat low carbs. So I don't eat the white flour i've got this low carb tortilla shell that's baked in fiber i make i eat mine with that it's delicious i did that watch the last few episodes of the greenhouse academy on netflix with the kids kids went to bed i watched a little college basketball and then amy wanted me to watch this scary movie with her on netflix that some of her friends recommended called veronica that was in subtitles Oh, so you know, I, you know, and I you said to her, subtitle? I said to her, like once a year, I will give a movie what I call the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon exception. That's the only movie I've ever gone into a theater to pay for with subtitles, unless Jesus was in it. Okay, if Jesus isn't in it, I'm not paying to see a movie with subtitles. I don't read my movies, but every once in a while, on demand. That's the so I went and saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in the theaters. The, the Passion, obviously, was subtitled. I saw that in theaters. Those might be the only two movies I've ever seen subtitled in theaters in my life. If I have to pay for it, it's once a year. If there's a movie that everyone tells me, let the, I think the last time was the original Swedish Let the Right One In. They remade it as an American version a few years ago. It's not that good. The Swedish version is really good. All right. And... Um, it's so it's That's rare. The weirdest thing you've ever said on the show. The Swedish version yeah. is really good. That happened, America. And, and so, Dog the American put it down for a second, but quickly picked it back up. It is it is rare. I will put up with subtitles in a movie. Okay, I, I will do the foreign subtitle movie thing. That was my. Then my wife went to bed. I went downstairs after my wife went to bed. I went downstairs and I watched. I deboed or tebowed all. Would I say devoed? Sorry, uh-huh. I, I meant to say DVR. I, could, I couldn't figure out I was going to TVR or TiVo, so I just whipped it instead with Devo. You're right. I went downstairs. I had tebowed uh, or DVR'd the entire five hours of the final day of the NFL scouting combine yesterday, and I went downstairs and I watched that you after did. everybody went to bed until I fell asleep. Wow! Now there's the okay. American. Well done. Yet, despite that everyday American existence. This is how surreal it is for me to watch what is unfolding unfold. Sam Numberg and I are buddies. I've known Sam for years. Sam is, and I get into more of this on the television show today, because he's essentially our entire CR Media Roundtable is the episode we saw last night on cable news. Uh, Sam is how I was made my initial connection to Donald Trump. He came to me. I would know. How does a kid from Des Moines, Iowa get in how to get hold of Donald Trump? Donald Trump came to me through Sam Nunberg and, and, and others. And Sam and I have remained friendly, even though we don't agree all the time by any stretch, but we have remained friendly for the last going on five years now. You know, I went out to, I went out to audition to be the new afternoon drive guy for Salem's New York City, you know, drive time in New York City for Salem Radio Network in January of 2013. And while I was out there, 
Sam Nunberg took me to dinner at Ruth Chris right there in Manhattan, which is a hop, skip, and a jump from where the two towers were. And we were the we we were the last two people at that dinner that night. We closed the place down, and it was there that he literally he he told me, "Hey, Trump is serious about running this time." Because people forget he was he had flirted with it for about a week in 2011. He was going to run in 2012, and then everybody thought he was going to run. He actually brought my buddy Bob Vanderplatz out to Trump Tower to convince him he was going to run and showed him all of his campaign stuff, Trump 2012. And then out of nowhere, a few days later, Trump said he's not running. And so when, when Trump was rattling sabers about running in 2016, most of us thought this was a publicity stunt. And it was at this dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse there in Manhattan while I was out there auditioning for Salem and Sam laid out for me what Trump was going to do and started asking me names of people that Trump should think about hiring in Iowa. I gave him, I think, four names. They interviewed all four of them and one of them they hired to run Trump's Iowa caucus campaign eventually. So, I mean, I've known Sam for years. I, I remember Sarah, Sarah, well, she was Sarah Huckabee then as essentially a young girl trying to establish her foothold and her following her daddy's footsteps in politics in the Iowa caucuses. And she did little more than, you know, your basic grassroots organization stuff, get donuts, you know, make, make sure there's coffee for the activists. Okay. And now she's the spokeswoman for the white house. Okay. She's now the spokeswoman for the white house. So I know so many of these people, so many of these, it, it, it's been, it is surreal to me to watch Trump's behavior on most days because I've said this before, I, I never saw that Donald Trump. I remember when I went out there to audition for Salem, I called Rona Graff, Trump's assistant. I never heard the name Hope Hicks. I never heard the name Hope Hicks until Trump was well on his way to being at least a major factor for the nomination. I never worked with her. I always worked with Rona Graff, Trump's personal assistant. And I remember getting out to, to audition in New York and, and calling Rona at the last minute, thinking there's no way Trump will agree to do this because it's last minute. But I thought, you know, I really don't want to move my family to New York City. But it's all it, it, drive time in New York City and radio is like what Mike Huckabee once told me when I asked him if he wanted to be John McCain's running mate in 08. It's, it's Tuckabee's line about the vice presidency. It's the job nobody wants, but they can't say no to it at the same time. I didn't, I didn't want to move my family to New York City. They didn't want to move there. But they also recognize what doing drive time and daddy's industry meant in the market of New York. And so you can't say no. So when I went out there, man, I went, I went to the mat to campaign for that job. They eventually gave it to um, former Congressman Joe Walsh, got that job over me. And uh, Is he still doing it? I don't know. I don't know. I, actually, actually, you know what? When we left Salem Syndicated to come for CRTV, I think Joe took my place hmm. on Salem's national network, actually. So I think... Joe and I have never actually met. We just seem to keep following <laughs> professionally around. So I think that's who Salem hired to replace me on their national network was Joe. But um, I thought it would impress the locals to get Trump on. And it did. I thought there's no way he could do it at this short a notice. I called him that morning. I called Rona that morning. Trump came on that afternoon. Cleared his schedule, came on for me that afternoon, gave me a good 20 minutes. He was being wooed by the state GOP at the time. They wanted him to run for governor. And so he was up on the issues. He knew his stuff. I remember that day, the census, new census projections had come out that Florida had, was going to surpass New York in population. 
And Trump was really upset about that because of the tax policies and the business policies and the, how many families and people they were losing to, uh, in New York to places like Florida. He sounded nothing at all like the guy that you see on Twitter and at most of his press avails these last couple of years. So these last two years have been surreal to me. It is, it is, it's like this has been a portion of my life I didn't really live and someone just told me about it. To watch so many of these people. I mean, Hogan Gidley is, Hogan Gidley's my bro. Hogan Gidley, I remember Hogan Gidley calling me up. Dude, I'm about to go on Bill Maher. I'm like the one Christian up against five liberals. you have any advice for me? Okay. And now he's like the deputy head of communications for the White House. I mean, I used to get, Hogan Gidley used to call me up after cable news appearances. Dude, you looked terrible. That was a terrible tie. You need to help me dress you up. Um, so this whole thing is kind of surreal to me. This whole thing is surreal to me. And I don't know if I answered your question or not, but. But it was a rhetorical question because I know the answer. It it is, it is, it is weird. It it was weird for me to get home last night and, and have everybody claim Sam Numberg was drunk. I just, that's how Sam Numberg communicates. I don't believe he was drunk at all. He sounded manic. I don't know how many New Yorkers you guys. How many New Yorkers you guys ever talked to? Not as many as you. Yeah, they, a lot of them sound like that. That's you know, it's New York. I mean, waves of people always late for something while chain smoking on their cell phones on the way there. I mean, that's. But I just described New York City, guys, and a lot of cool places to go and visit. But that's that's what New York is. Everybody's in a hurry and everybody's running late. <laughs> Everybody sounds like that, you know. Um, It's, it is weird, the opportunities this country provides, particularly if you are providentially placed in certain strategic venues like the First in the Nation caucus state. It's, for, for me, to see Sam, my former talk radio compatriot here, there's not, too, I mean, there's not that many talk radio stations in Iowa. And so it's a very small fraternity of those of us who at the time were sort of the, the conservative talk radio people in our state. Sam Clovis was one of them, and me. He was kind of he kind of did yeah. what Jan Michelson and I did in Northwest Iowa, up in the Sioux City area. And so when I was seeing reports of him last year getting subpoenaed by Bob Mueller's panel or the House right. panel, all that was, I mean, this is surreal to me. Sam and I used to do speaking engagements together. I mean, I, I just the whole thing is weird, guys. The whole thing is weird. And I don't know how, if I would have just made one or two other decisions, there's no way I would have avoided not being in this web. And who's it ending well for? I mean, it looks like, it looks like Nikki Haley is, is playing hate the game, not the player, right? I mean, her stock has soared. She's way higher in terms of stature than she was when she came on board Team Trump. Name me the second person. That's why I was I was both happy because I know them and I knew they'd bring some winsomeness and likability and professionalism with them to the job. But I was also that's why I was happy to see Sarah and Huck and, and Hogan be brought in because we need good people at the most powerful office on planet Earth. But I'm I'm as people as somebody who's known him and I'm much closer to Hogan than Sarah. I'm worried about how I'm worried as a friend. 
how it will end because what's been the trend line? It doesn't end well for most people. It doesn't end well for most people. So we chased a total rabbit trail here, but I, f- I felt like you put me on a couch and I just needed to emote for a few minutes. No, it's fascinating. I still remember when you and I first met um, and you had you were doing sports and you were out, it was a Friday and you were on location as many sports f- shows are on a Friday and the happy hour kind of thing. And so I, I went out there just to uh, watch from there and I remember going up to you and just saying, man, you're not, you know you're not long for this. You need, I mean, sports is gonna hold you back you got so much more to say and but i couldn't have guessed in a million years the orbit that you would be putting and that is now in so many respects crumbling before your eyes i mean the people you've cared about you've broken bread about heck you've prayed with Mm -hmm. that are now within the last year plus just gone I mean been to the pit of hell well on that cheery note Uh. I kind of felt like you were kind of counseling me there for a bit and letting me kind of purge and vent and then you went there and I'm kind of like but you're not there you're clean what's the meaning of life (laughs) why are we here Because people don't know the answer to that question, or at least don't ask it enough, they end up there in Trump's White House. It's, it's, it, it's a tough situation to be in when you know good people. People that have some modicum of character and skill, and, and, you, and you know you need them in a place like the White House. And your concern, though, about... What happens to Icarus when he flies that close yeah. to the sun at the same time? Know what I mean? Yeah. So, it has been uh, it's been interesting and, and surreal to watch. Well, if you if you turn DC into a game, and we have, you don't play the game; the game plays you, and that's what we're seeing. And everybody's ending up bankrupt. They're not owning Park Place. I think that's what's helped Nikki Haley is she's not played any game. Uh, she is. She is. She has. She's figured out the only way to win the game is not to play. I'm, I'm just not getting involved in the daily travails of Trumpism. And I'm going to use this perch for my agenda. And my agenda is um, strong pro-Western presence on the world stage and uh, laying down ordinance on people that get in our way. And I'm not, I don't really care about all the sideshow or the rest of that stuff. Now, she she gets insulated from it because of the job she has. She doesn't have a domestic political job. I mean, if she had, if she had, if she was senior counselor to the president or vice president, there's no way she could avoid it because that would be her sphere. She she gets six degrees of separation. She gets a bit of a halo rule. Gets to call a fair catch on the media. Hey, I'm at state. I'm taking on Iran and Putin in Syria. I don't have time for that. That gives her a convenient out. That's why, you know, someone I think asked us on an email several months ago about her as being, what would you think of Trump dumping Pence and making her his running mate in 2020? And I think I said, if I were advising her, don't you dare do that. That's a terrible political move. You're closer to the presidency now than you would be if you were his running mate, because there's no way you wouldn't get some of whatever this, all this is, get some of it on you. 
Well, I think that's the longest preview we've ever done for our CRTV show. I think Todd was gone yesterday with the sort of fear or the sort of dental moment those of you that fear going to the dentist have nightmares about. Like you'd rather have your cuticles removed than what Todd had to do and endure yesterday, right? Yeah. Okay. Todd literally walked in. Lawrence Olivier was waiting there for him, asking him, is it safe? Okay. That's what that's what you had to do. Little shop of horrors, baby. Yeah, that's what you had to do yesterday. So uh, you felt like maybe you had to kind of double up. Yeah. Make up for not being here yesterday as well. So let's get to Tuesday's normal podcast, which is a pop culture Tuesday. Yes, that's a very awkward segue. I could not figure another way to do it. So let's just let's just move on now. I'm depressed. So let's just move on now. <laughs> You're welcome. The Oscars. Oh, and, and that's no, going to help. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to help. I'm going to I'm not going to do the typical deconstruction because I can't do it as well as guys like Crowder and Shapiro have already done it. So, you know, why try? That's They are masters of that domain, breaking that stuff down. I'm going to let them handle that. But Jimmy Kimmel said something that confirmed what I have posited. You guys have heard me posit this many times. That the business plan in Hollywood, there isn't really a market for the stuff they want to say. And so therefore, they have to make movies. We just had my buddy Ted Bear on last week. What is what did he say from Movie Guide? The 17th year in a row, he's been tracking this for 17 years. And it's the 17th year in a row that films with conservative and or explicit Judeo-Christian themes have dominated at the box office. And I have posited numerous times over the years, you guys have heard me say it, that Hollywood's business plan is they don't get to make the movies, a lot of movies saying what they want to say because there's not a market for it. They, they couldn't be solvent if they did that. So they've got to make a whole bunch of movies saying what we want to say to finance the stuff at the end of the year that almost nobody watches that says the stuff they want to say. Right? You guys have heard me talk about that? Yes. Jimmy Kimmel's going to all but verify that here. Timothy is the star of a small but powerful story called Call Me By Your Name, which did not make a lot of money. In fact, of the nine Best Picture nominees, only two of them made more than $100 million. But that's not the point. We don't make films like Call Me By Your Name for money. We make them to upset Mike Pence. (laughs) That is another way of saying what I have said numerous times in the past on this show. Now, the reaction to this from some of our conservative brethren, including a lot of people who I hold in very high esteem, adore, know, call friends, and or respect, has been to be offended at this. Uh, Has been to say, this is why we should stop giving them our money. I have the opposite reaction. I'm actually encouraged to take my kids to go see Peter Rabbit again. Or to take him to go see A Wrinkle in Time, which is essentially another form of a C.S. Lewis Christian allegorical story. That's what it is. I'm encouraged to go take them to go see Oprah Winfrey in A Wrinkle in Time this weekend. And here's why. What Jimmy Kimmel just said is another version of this statement from an all-time bestseller. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. That's another version of what he just said. 
He is admitting you guys don't want our depravity. You don't want our nihilism. You don't want our Marxism. He just told you almost none of these movies that were, that were nominated for Best Picture were any level of commercial success on, at all. And one of them that was, Get Out, is a trolling of Jimmy Kimmel. How many more times do I have to explain the plot of this film is white progressives using black people to drain them of their blackness to give them ever to give them long life or cool or hip? That's the plot of the movie. A bunch of white liberals drain black people of their blackness so they can have it and be cool and live longer. And every time I explain that, you look at me like you don't believe that's really the plot of the movie, Todd. Because you've yet to see it. Right. We have this conversation how many times. Then here's how it works. I will go to Aaron. Yeah. I will ask Aaron. Aaron, is that the plot of the movie? Yes. Todd will then ask me. There must be some catch, right? Todd, go ahead. It can't be true. I will go back to Aaron. Aaron, back me up on this. Aaron, is this the plot of the movie? This is the part where I said, yes, it's definitely the plot of the movie, but the alternate ending makes it all Black Lives Matter propaganda. But fortunately, that wasn't in the theatrical release. Because if they put that in the theatrical release, would the movie have made $100 million? No. No. So they didn't put that in the theatrical release because they wanted to make money instead. So this is the actual storyline of the movie. And then I will likely, not always, but likely when we have this, this conversation, I will point out the irony of Bradley Whitford, who played the George Stephanopoulos character in Aaron Sorkin's The Left Wing Television Show, Correct. is the dad in this movie. He's the chief villain who looks in the camera and says, I'm not a racist. I voted for Obama twice, and I would have voted for him for a third time if I could. Does that happen, Aaron? I will then ask Aaron, is that a line in the film? It is. Todd will look at me with the same look he's giving me now, still not believing it. How many more times do we have to do this show? Before you watch the freaking movie, Todd. Yes, Todd, watch it, please. You had all day yesterday. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) That's one of the films nominated for Best Picture that won $100 million. It's trolling the likes of Jimmy Kimmel. He's admitting to you they would have nothing without you. You and our audience, people like you. He's, he's telling you, we've got the tuxedos. You have the influence. We've got the paycheck you have the power we would like to make more movies about pederasty but we can't because you won't go because the only way we can win uh, win our culture war is to tell the cultural story that you guys want us to tell that to me is a win I'm not offended at that at all. I'm not offended at all to hear my opponent say, you're right. And, and this actually explains why Kimmel has become so negative in the last year or so. Why he has gone on television and said things, don't watch me then, I don't care. Because he's nothing without us he's nothing nobody would watch not enough people would go and that's where the anger comes from 
is he knows he's a fraud. He knows his movement's a fraud. He knows their perceived dominance of American culture. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, Americans are spending their Sundays at a tent revival watching Billy Graham crusade episode, you know, reruns either. But we're, we may not be spiritually and morally what we once were. We're a long way from the crap they're peddling, though, at that show the other night, which, had, which I believe was the first Oscars ever to get less than 30 million viewers. And this is why he hates you guys. Because they have to acknowledge they can't make Wonder Woman Betty Friedan in an Amazonian costume. You won't go. You won't watch. So instead, Wonder Woman is a Christological allegory, substitutionary atonement, who says Zeus made women as helpmates for men. Because it was not good for the man to be alone. Where's that narrative come out of, guys? That come out of Greek mythology? Nope. Where's that comes right out of Genesis, brother. They got to make that movie instead, because if they make if they make if they if they if they make her Amazonian Betty Friedan feminist, it doesn't make four hundred million dollars, guys. It doesn't. This is why they get their jollies off of polluting things like Beauty and the Beast last year. I finally broke down and watched it. By the way, I had never saw it. Finally broke down and watched it about two weeks ago. I think I forgot to tell you guys this. And after I got done, I thought this was their social justice warrior hype. This was. This is how much they had to water down their agate prop to make it acceptable. And they're calling this their big win. Unless you are looking for it, you really wouldn't. I know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it. You wouldn't notice it. And if it had been more overt, if it, they made made it more more overt, it wouldn't have made as much money. That's why they had to bask in subtleties, and Josh Gad had to go out there and get his SJW street cred on Twitter for what amounts to subliminal messaging. Because if they had done it the way they wanted to do it, if they had put it in your face and made it ham fisted and smacked you upside the head with it, people have been like, I, I, "I'm just tired of this. I'm sick of this." They'd have looked at him. They'd have looked at Beauty and the Beast the way they look at Adam Rippon. Dude, you were tenth, bro. Hey, you like having sex with dudes? Cool, that's great. And you finished tenth. So why are we still talking about you? You know, um, that's that's great. You were you were tenth, man. That was. Do you, can, do, you do anything other than uh, want to sodomize other guys? Do you do anything other than that? Oh yeah, you finished tenth. You were tenth, man. So cool on you. But we're still talking about you. Why? You were 10th. That's why they hate you. I wouldn't be offended at that at all. I'm claiming victory. Thou dost prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemies. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to walk in like a boss. Take my seat at the table. Send the steak back because it wasn't cooked to my specifications. And I'm getting seconds when it comes to the dessert. 
And I'm walking out of there like, cool, Modi, how you like me now? So you guys can all have your circle you-know-whats. You guys can all sit there and applaud one another. Outside of your own circles, nobody cares until you say what we want you to say. This is why they hate you. They're puppets on a string. You're the puppet master. They're trained monkeys. You're the one with the accordion. That's why they're so angry. That's why they're seething. Because they have the lifestyles of the rich and famous that we in places like Iowa wished we had. But you know what they don't have? They don't have quite the power and influence that you do. That's why they're mad. You mad, bro? Yep, you are. And I'm not going to get mad back. I'm going to grin down my chest. That's a helmet sticker. The amount, of, it is rare to get affirmation from your opponents like that. So, I have the exact opposite reaction. My reaction is, go take your kids to Peter Rabbit, A Wrinkle in Time, Black Panther. Have you guys seen that yet? No. Yeah, no. It's, it's, not your, it's not an Afrocentric movie at all, actually. It's really not. There's, there's no liberation theology. Hillary Clinton tweeting about its message. You're right. It, it, hold, it, it affirms a merit-based immigration system, a market-based economy based on harnessing your national resources. Uh, and Antifa, Mar- Malcolm X is the villain. I, I agree. It's got a great message. That's the movie, guys. That's the movie. Okay? That's your movie. To me, I think you make... I, I disagree. I love Matt Walsh. You guys know that, man. Love him. Most days, I wish I was more like Matt Walsh. Today's not one of those days. I disagree with his take on this. I'm inclined to give the stuff they're making that supports my belief system more money. I want to see that gap wider. I want Jimmy Kimmel to host this next year and say, well, this year only one of these films actually made any real money. Last year it was two. And then the next year, well, none of these films made any more. At least we pissed off Mike Pence. Who gives a rat's petunia about that? I'm more inclined to rub their noses in it all the more. So, well, Steve, they're using us. Who's to say we're not using them? Okay, sure. I mean, you want to go off in your corner and make your Marxist, cultural Marxist agate prop nobody wants to watch? I Okay. We'll be over here in line at The Last Jedi for the fourth time, but you have a nice life over there. May the force be with you. Good on you. Your thoughts, gentlemen. It'll be interesting to see how long that dynamic can and will go on. The level of self, yes, angry, but nonetheless still self-satisfied. We're going to go on, and we're going to continue to show you year after year this little island of Dr. Moreau that we've created. This, I mean, just pathetic little half-human hybrid inventions in the arts, in our sense 
of uh, how we are supposed to interact with one another, relationships. I mean, th- th- they are it, the movie we love, 300. Mm-hmm. The purpose, a, co- a comic book type movie showing the classic values uh, of Greece at its highest in terms of uh, both wisdom and valor, going against those, you know, half-human, like, lobster people. I mean, it's done for a point to show you how debased other cultures were living. They needed you to see it visually. Well, that's what Hollywood is. That's what they're becoming. When they're, they're holding up their version of the Statue of Liberty, and it's just grotesque and it has odd animal-like appendages coming out and they're saying this is who we want to be and they're shaking us their fist at us like an old man at the cloud like, but you won't come along and we're going to do it anyways and they they're they are claiming moral victory in that it, it's it's utterly pathetic but i'm interested to see we talk about how long things can be sustained that because of the dynamic that you're talking about thing it seems like that just can go on ad infinitum and mm-hmm. and thus will be a very healthy cautionary tale for us to know to, without having to go see it ourselves but to know it's there the lines will be very starkly drawn for our for the next generation for good. our children yes so that that's a good that's thing. a positive they're and they're helping do it in force in ways that let's face it Steve uh, it, you know in both your industry and both media and in politics our side whatever that has been, it's been terrible at drawing those lines they're willing to do it for us what do you think Aaron well uh, there's always going to be money in good storytelling just like there's always going to be money in the banana stand if you catch that res- reference um, in, until the people actually telling the stories <laughs> are in complete control of the government there, even even then, people want to hear a good story, and so there's always going to be a lot of money um, for those who can tell those stories well. It is, it is, um, it's fun to think about this uh, kind of dichotomy between the people who say and uh, who um, and their, their their words and their actions outside of the silver screen are completely antithetical to most of America and most of America's value systems, if they have one, they're the ones who are actually producing our our content. That, that, is, that is mind-blowing, and we've said it many, many times before, but to actually hear Jimmy Kimmel say that, that's exactly what he's saying. I mean, it's, it's not just another one. It's exactly what he's saying. Where these films aren't profitable. The one about pederasty, that wasn't profitable at all. We just, pay, we just make him to piss people off. We just make him to piss Mike Pence off. That's, that's the opponent talking, and yet the opponent has no choice. They wouldn't have a platform if it weren't for you. They wouldn't have a platform if it weren't for our stories. And so you're absolutely right. This is, 
Um, I mean, people people can have their personal convictions, and if Matt Walsh when it sure. has a personal conviction, I don't, yeah, I just I don't see it the same way. But I get right. why he, why he has that reaction. Yeah. yeah, that's totally okay. But don't don't impose that on us. Don't don't impose that on other people. That's your personal conviction, and that's that's okay. Nor am I trying to get impose no. my stance on this on anybody else. No, I, I just think because I come from a sports world that I, maybe I just see things in a in a more and not and that doesn't mean it's right. I I just maybe approach things from a more naturally my default position on these sorts of things is to see it as a competitor which can be good and can be wrong when i hear everything you just said aaron you know what i'm thinking this this is where my sports background comes in i'm living rent free in my rival's head that's what i hear you know what i'm saying i mean what's your favorite sports team you're 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 an iowa fan right okay who do you consider so, do you th- in your mind, is Iowa State your big rival? Is Wisconsin your big rival? Who, 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 is, who is it that, that think of that team right now mm-hmm. that you would love to hear their coach, their football coach, their men's basketball coach, their AD, their, their chief, and, and instead, let's use a better analogy to Jimmy Kimmel, their official play-by-play guy who's hosting the team banquet. And wouldn't you love to hear him admit those damn Hawkeyes just a, no, we, we're just doing this to troll them. You know what that tells you? Oh, yeah. I'm living rent. We're living rent free in their head. This is supposed to be a night where they just sit around and slap each other on the back and tell each other how great they are, and they still can't stop talking about us. What does that tell you? Now, that's a sports kind of mindset, though, okay? And, and, that's not always the most pious mindset to come at things with. <laughs> That's why most days I wish I was more like Matt because he tends to take a more pious perspective on these things. But in this case, the competitor in me, the sports guy in me says, are you kidding me? I want to hear, I want more of that. I'm drowning. I, in fact, I can't get drunk enough on your tears. Let me go take a leak, empty my bladder, and I'll be right back in line over there at the keg stand. All right, fill me back up. Because I can't get enough of my opponent's tears. I want to bathe. I want to bathe in your animosity. Yes, because when you, the best way to get at your opponent. What's the old saying? The best revenge is living well. Yep, that's the the best way to get under your opponent's skin is is you ain't worth the salt in my tears. You're irrelevant to me. You're not even uh, who. Wait, I'm sorry. Who are you? What's your name? And I've done that to a few people that have tried to challenge me. I'm sorry, who are you? Who are you again? Remind me why I care. That's the, that, you really want to get into your rival's skin. Stop talking about them. I mean, the, the angriest I've been as a Michigan, one at Michigan State, as a Michigan fan, is when Michigan State fans started talking a few years ago before Harbaugh came back. Well, our, our big rival is Ohio State now. Oh no, you didn't. And you know yeah. why? But you know yeah. what? It's true. Yeah. They owned us. And that that that's the sting right there. The, the your lack of relevancy to me. Jimmy Kimmel's telling you you're not irrelevant at all. Your disdain is bothering us. It's annoying us. It's irritating us. And even here at our orgy of self-flagellation. We just can't, even here, we can't stop talking and thinking about you. When there was ever a time to just make it all about us, this would be it, but we can't help but acknowledge you. 
you're irritating us. I, I take confidence in that. As do I. I, I want to see that. When, next year, when we get to those top 10 movies of the year, I want to see that gap wider. Wider. I want to see it wider. Final thoughts. I love all of that. Really quickly, as, as a cautionary tale, the, the one thing we do have to watch out for, and you've hit on this before, is they fail at this when they go off and make their ridiculous woman sleeps with fish man or, or pederast living in Italy thing. What they haven't yet done, and they tried with Beauty and the Beast, they're trying to find hit the sweet spot of hijacking right. our stories. Right. They failed with that, and I've seen the movie too. I saw it a while ago, and it's all that was was that we were being trolled. That was pre-movie propaganda uh, to try to convince us that's what they did when they didn't even really do that. Mm-hmm. But we're already hearing it. It, it might be Elsa in Frozen 2. It might be uh, the two of the main male characters in the recent Star Wars trilogy. Go for it, Disney. Go for it. We do need to be ready for that moment when it comes. Because I, I that's a different ballgame. I agree. I'm not... Let me make... I'm glad you brought that up. I am not saying there is never a time not to draw a line. Oh. Okay? But I don't believe the place to draw a line is I'm not going to support products that are clearly affirming my belief system i will stop i will not support products that don't nor will i definitely not support products that go out of their way to agate prop and bastardize and deconstruct my belief system while claiming to to be a representative of it and i think of darren aronofsky the militant atheist version of noah and i took that was my first ever worldview test with my oldest daughter, Anna. I took her to the movie on purpose. I think she was 13 when the movie came out. I, 12 or 13. I took her to the movie. I didn't tell her anything. I wanted to test her. And 15 minutes into this, she looked at me and said, why are we here? And she got increasingly angry. Now, I don't think, Anna, I'm pretty confident as she approaches full-fledged adulthood now. She just turned 17. I know, I can tell by the questions she asked me, she doesn't necessarily see everything her old man's way politically. But what she really doesn't, what, what I, but I'm not worried so much about her, her, her specific political beliefs on every single issue as much as I'm worried about her BS meter. Can she, can she smell, spot a fraud? And oh yeah, oh yeah. And that's what you're talking about. Clear attempts to co-opt what we think. Sneaking in your little subliminal messages. That's the best you can do. If that's the best you can do, then frankly, I, I, again, I I laugh at you. That's the best you have, devil. That's the best you've got. One throwaway line at the end of Beauty and the Beast is the best you have. All of this was for that. Really? I'll take that as a win that you had to drum up this much of a controversy for six months to get table scraps. Now, if we start seeing Poe and uh, Finn making out in trailers, uh, I'm tapping out. I'm out. I don't, I don't, no, I'm not doing that. Because now, now you're insulting me. Now you're urinating on me and you're telling me it's raining. And that's my tap out. That's kind of what you're talking about. Yes. Aaron, your thoughts? Uh, just what I said before. Um, it is quite uh, entertaining to see uh, people who... I think I already gave my final thoughts uh, like 
five or ten minutes ago. Oh, did I ask you first? I, no, I think we I think we already <laughs> I think we already did that. So I don't really have any more to add. I'm trying to think of something new to say. And, and ladies, Jim, we found a millennial when he was asked to emote. Said, "I've emoted enough. Yeah. God bless you, yeah. sir." Thank you for tuning in here today on the Steve Dace Show podcast on Westwood One. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Don't forget crtv.com, promo code Dace if you want to get your subscription to CRTV today. I've got We've got a full breakdown on what happened with Sam Nunberg on cable news last night if you go to crtv.com. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you.